Thank you. Honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the visual mini plenary is deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and constitute a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. In addition to the rules of the virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. <clears throat> Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the mics are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar of the bot at the bottom of, the, of their screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his hand to raise points of order. The Secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the visual system, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> we shall now proceed to the order which is debate on vote number 22, Correctional Services Appropriation Bill. I now recognize the Honorable the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson, members of the Executive present, the Deputy Minister for Correctional Services, Nkosi Patekle Olomisa, and the Deputy Minister for Justice and Constitutional Development, Mr. John Jeffrey, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, Mr. Bulelani Magwanisha, Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, Honorable Members of the August House, National Commissioner of the Department of Correctional Services, Mr. Ata Fraser, the Inspecting Judge for Correctional Services, Mr. Justice Edwin Cameroon, Distinguished guests and ladies and gentlemen, House Chairperson, as we present the budget vote of the Department of Correctional Services, it is important that we remind this August House of our vision in the Freedom Charter, which proclaims imprisonment shall be only for serious crimes against the people and shall be aimed at re education, not vengeance. Unquote. Therefore, we should always understand that most inmates incarcerated at our centers will one day be released. So the question that arises is what kind of inmates do we release back to society? Will they be reformed, abhor their previous lives of crimes? Will they be reintegrated back into society? And finally, will society accept them? In answering these questions, honorable members, I need to illustrate to this house and society what happens behind the walls of correctional services. 
Our officials and professionals are creating an enabling environment for inmates to carve a new life for themselves. After years of saving time resulting from their infractions and being exposed to rehabilitation and restorative programs, inmates are on a path to become better citizens. Unfortunately, upon their release, some inmates become subject of ridicule, discrimination, and deprivation of opportunities to act out a living. These factors make it extremely difficult for inmates to rebuild their lives. These then contribute to some of the reinventing in some instances. Communities must have an understanding that indeed correction is a societal responsibility. It should not only be located within the Department of Correctional Services. In correction, we're addressing some of the challenges I have alluded to above. We have dedicated men and women in brown uniform who are putting relentless efforts to steer corrections towards achieving our vision of providing the best correctional services for a safer South Africa. Yes, there are some who stretch the limits within the workspace like any other work environment. Hence, we're impressed upon the Department for Consequence Management to have an effect when there is any forms of misconduct. In order for us to implement programs that will contribute to a safer South Africa, we tabled before this house a budget of 25.2 billion for the 2021-2022 financial year. The allocation will be, will be divided as follows. 6.2 billion, which constitutes 24.6% of the budget, is allocated to the head office. The remaining 75.4% of the budget is allocated to regions, of which 58% of this allocated to the program incarceration, followed by administration program at 13.2%, care program at 12%, rehabilitation program at 10.6% and social reintegration at 6.2%. The projected revenue collection for the Department of Correctional Services for the 2021-2022 medium term expenditure framework period is 486 million and one. This revenue is mostly generated through the letting of accommodation facilities to personnel, selling of products produced in correctional centers, workshops, and hiring out of offender labor. We have set aside a total of 1.6 billion of capital works program over the 2021 MTEF period. 1.1 billion is for upgrading of facilities and additions. And 486.1 million is for repairs and maintenance of correctional centers. The MTF EF additional facilities will include Mtonjeni Youth Center, Paris Center, Bread Plain Center, Bechersdorp Center, and Lichberg Correctional Center. Over the 2021 MTF period, correctional services will also receive 50.2 million from the National Skills Fund and Safety and Security Sector Education and Training Authority for the training of offenders. For the 2021-2022 financial year, the average number of inmates funded 169,681, of which 124,294 are sentenced, and 45,387 are unsentenced of uh, uh, inmates. 
Honorable members, this budget, although lesser than what we anticipated, will enable the department to continue implementing its mandate, which affects the lives of the general public and the victims of crime, who must be protected from criminal elements. Victims who have experienced firsthand the harm of crime have their hopes on correctional centers. We must remind that since the advent of democracy and the introduction of the Correctional Services Act 111 of 1998, South Africa opted for a management approach where human rights are protected and the responsibility is placed on correctional system to motivate and encourage offenders to do away with negative values through an array of rehabilitation programs. Inmates are thus expected to be reformed and ready to be reintegrated back into their communities upon successful completion of their sentences. During the course of rehabilitation, there are however certain disturbing episodes that derail the work of correction, and such must never be allowed to normalize in a correctional setting. When adopting the new constitution of South Africa in 1996, which we are commemorating its 25th anniversary this year, our country's first democratically elected president, Dr. Nelson Mandela said, this constitution is our own humble contribution to democracy and the culture of human rights worldwide. It is our pledge to humanity that nothing will steer us from this cause, unquote. The constitution entrenches a clear path for human rights-based model of correctional center governance, which continues to motivate us on this journey today. It is our constitution that motivated us to adopt legislation as well as numerous related protocols and strategies that sought to improve the efficiency of our criminal justice system as a country. It is our constitution that implores us to understand that inmates are a reflection of our society. And as a result, we should correct communities in order for us to reduce the corrections of individuals. Honorable members, we want correctional facilities to become places where offenders are encouraged to believe in their inherent value as human beings in life, with the Nelson Mandela rules. As a result, there is no doubt that education, skills training, and such programs play a pivotal role in reducing the rate of recidivism. The management of COVID-19 at our correctional services. The United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime has been very vocal about the need to firmly embed correctional centers, inmates and correctional officials into the overall COVID-19 public health response of countries to address the plight of inmates during the pandemic and to mitigate the risk of COVID-19 in correctional centers. This will also include vaccination programs for inmates. South Africa has heeded this call by the UNODC as at 15 May 2021, Correctional Services was managing 177 active coronavirus cases nationally, comprising of 84 officials and 93 inmates. This equates to 0.23% of staff and 0.07% of the inmates' population. The cumulative recovery today translates to a rate of 96.32%. It is befitting in this regard that I thank the healthcare professionals in our correctional services management and all officials for contributing to pushing back the devastating effects of COVID-19 within the department 
Our healthcare officials across all regions in the department also responded positively to the call for vaccination. Those who are here to take the vaccine will continue to encourage them to do so to protect their lives. Vaccination will also be rolled out to inmates. Currently, they are being reached out with awareness campaigns on vaccination across all the region. House chairperson were encouraged by the fact that on 16 March 2021, the National Assembly agreed to a motion which collectively recognized the hard work of correctional officials across the country who face difficulties due to the nature of their work. Moreover, under this period of the COVID-19 pandemic, to this end, we salute our unsung heroes and heroes in the correctional service. House Chairperson, we are going to inject fresh impetus into the type of support we make available to the victims of crime. More often, we have been accused of focusing on parolees and ex-offenders in terms of facilitating economic empowerment initiatives at the expense of victims. Together with the Deputy Minister, Holomisa, we have instructed the department to broaden the envelope on the offender labor program to benefit victims. Practical developments are already underway in terms of victim empowerment. On 7 June 2021, together with Deputy Minister Holomisa, we will be handing over a house to the Zumbu family in Wenin, Wazul Natal, which was built through the offender labor in partnership with the South African Broadcasting Corporation. The Zungu family was attacked on the 18th of June 2019 around midnight. The, the mother, Sinile Zungu, did not survive. This unfortunate incident robbed the family of a breadwinner, leaving 10 children as orphans. All of them are currently unemployed. The Zungu family can be best described as indigent. The plight of such victims of crime cannot be ignored. Building this family a house is the little contribution correctional services could make. This house is a 70 square meters, and we thank the South African Broadcasting Corporation for collaborating with us on this project and securing a sponsor for the building material. Honorable members, correctional services has developed a social reintegration framework that seeks to instill corrections as a societal responsibility. As such, the department is going to engage more actively with government as well as amongst the broader society to ensure effective rehabilitation and reintegration of, of those who offend. Among some of the initiatives will be the, to encourage the sentencing of those guilty of minor offenses to community correction rather than direct imprisonment. However, in order to achieve the effective monitoring and rehabilitation of such persons, it will become imperative for the participation of the broader society in the process. This will also assist in addressing the root causes of crime and thus reduce repeat offending. The failure to employ ex-offenders, even on instances where they meet the requirements, is an area of great concern for us. Some institutions assume that a criminal record prevents one from securing employment. This myth requires some degree of public education, as it is not true and should be completely rejected. In reality, this impacts negatively on reintegration efforts by the Department of Correctional Services. Honorable members, in the 2020-2021 financial year, Correctional Services approved 
the self-sufficiency and sustainability strategic framework. This is aimed at taking a long-term view on developing and utilizing state assets under the department to reduce the cost incurred by the fiscal and correctional services and to generate revenue. I have no doubt that self-sufficiency in correctional centers can truly be catalyst for innovative use of government funds. As a department, we've established a joint working committee with the National Treasury to ensure that the strategic framework gains traction and that a long-term institutional model of implementation is put in place. Rehabilitation and corrections programs implemented by the department will now be geared towards ensuring that offenders spend their time in incarceration, contributing positively towards building our economy and communities. Our approach to self-sufficiency and self-sustainability is holistic, based on sound strategic partnership with communities, business and districts surrounding some of our farms, working together with other government departments, tertiary institutions, and local municipalities. Implementation of the strategic framework for self-sufficiency and sustainability is moving full steam ahead, with inmates and correctional officials forced to produce more in various correctional facilities. Apart from upscaling government savings in the areas to come, offenders will also gain formal qualifications and preparations to handing them over to community corrections. Production levels in our farms, workshops, and bakeries at various correctional centers across the country are increasing. During the first six months of the 2020-2021 financial year, on an average per day, 2,727,000 offenders, 2,227 offenders worked in agriculture, and on average, 999 offenders per day worked in production workshops as part of offender skills utilization and development. Through the use of offender labor, the following were produced. Vegetables, 3,632,580 kilograms, 218,95 kg of, of, of fruits, eggs, 676,369,000 dozen. Poultry, 191,718,000 kg. And pork, 906,699 kg. Milk, 3,115,999 liters. Beef, 212,514 kg. As well, as 1,889,645,000 loaves of bread for inmates in, 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 in our centers. The value of code three orders, which are orders for furniture from other government entities, has increased from 1.7 million in 2019-2020 financial year to 5.44 million in 2020-2021 financial year. We want to see these orders increasing as the quality of furniture we manufacture is of the same standard, if not superior, when compared to many private outlets. We can save the government billions through this venture, as our prices are reasonable. Production workshops are also manufacturing uniform, wood, steel, and textile products. Offenders are also involved in various arts and crafts projects that produce goods with a market value. 
This could provide an added opportunity for revenue generation. As part of mitigating against the spread of COVID-19, Honorable Chairperson, correctional services also manufactured a total of 332,056 cloth face masks in, in, for inmates in the first six months of 2020-2021 financial year. Our steel workshops manufactured sanitizer holders and food petal stands to help further reduce the spread of COVID-19. This initiative does not only contribute towards the prevention of, of the spread of the virus, but it also counts, counts as an additional to the skill set for the offenders, which could be used for self-employment upon release. Inmates also develop sporting infrastructure at two schools, one in Bushpark region, the other one in Alexandra and Khauti. They also refurbish 1,000 decks for schools in Pumalanga, and they will soon do the same, 1,000 in the Eastern Cape. During the 2021 financial year, our self-produced efforts saved the government 94 million rand. By the end of the current financial year, it is expected that in Correctional Services National, no porks and eggs will be procured externally. They will be produced internally. This drive will continue as we identify and remove more products from our procurement list and also set our sights on commercializing realized surpluses. Together with the Deputy Minister Olomisa, we will launch the self-sufficiency and self-sustainability strategic framework through showcasing offender labor projects on the 27th and the 28th May 2021 in Otsodon and George, respectively, in the Western Cape province. The completed offender labor construction projects to be showcased include the following. The Otsodon Correctional Center School, the Otsodon Correctional Center Math, George Management Area Pharmacy, the George and Inpatient Facility, George Dining Hall, and the George Laundry Room. Similar launch of other projects will follow in other provinces. The reduction in the compensation of employees' budgets will have a negative impact on the implementation of the developmental programs, such as leadership and internships. We are in the department's foremost youth development and empowerment programs. Learnerships and internships has over the years provided a pool of entry-level youth who are absorbed by the Department of Correctional Services. We are aware of the challenges arising from budgetary constraints related to the absorption of 2,000 learners whose correctional services trained. However, 982 of the learners will be absorbed through our, our region from the 1st of June. The remaining 1,068 learners will be prioritized through departmental budget reprioritization and the natural attrition process in this financial year. House Chairperson will appeal to all stakeholders and the broader society to work together with the department so that we can together create an efficient correctional services, which will contribute to a safer South Africa. I want to, to take this opportunity and thank Deputy Minister Olomisa for his continued support, management of the department led by the National Commissioner, Mr. Arthur Fraser, the Inspecting Judge, Justice Edwin Cameroon, organized labor and all other stakeholders contributing to our mandate. I want to, co to, to conclude House Chairperson by quoting from a poem of an ex-offender, Siboleelo Shabang, titled Prison. Being incarcerated 
is a free. Though demeaning, I see it as uplifting. Some come in distracted and come out reconstructed. Though an stumbling block, I choose to make them a stepping, a stepping stones. I salute you, prison. You reconcile, you rehabilitate, you correct, and even reintegrate. Unquote. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. And uh, I want to apologize on behalf of the minister because we could not call his bed to order. But it was merely appreciated. Uh, the next speaker is the Honorable Neho Drucken from the ANC. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. <clears throat> Honorable Chairperson, Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, Deputy Ministers present, Executive Managers and Personnel of DCS, Inspecting Judge, Distinguished Guests on the platform, Fellow South Africans, Comrades, Colleagues and Friends. Honorable Chairperson, this budget debate takes place exactly 23 days after the country celebrated 27 years of freedom, of, of democracy on Freedom Day. Even though we're still celebrating our democracy, we are mindful of the fact that our people are still not free from poverty. They are still experiencing high levels of unemployment and there is still high levels of inequality in our society. Honorable members, the year 2021 marks the 25th anniversary of the adoption of our constitution. Our constitution is widely regarded as one of the most progressive in the world and has its foundations in our freedom charter. It enshrines the rights of all people in South Africa and affirms the democratic values of human dignity, equality, and freedom. Our constitution also makes provision even for those members of our society who have wronged the community and are incarcerated in our correctional facilities. Section 35.2e states that every detained inmate, including every sentenced offender, has the right to conditions of detention that are consistent with human dignity, including at least exercise and the provision at state expense of adequate accommodation, nutrition, reading material, and medical treatment. This budget debate also takes place at a time of great upheaval in our country and across the world because of COVID-19 that has led to pain and suffering and loss of lives amongst our people. Today, we also pay tribute to Comrade Jackie Mufuking, who was a member of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services. Comrade Jackie played a meaningful role in the fight against gender-based violence and all forms of abuse in society. Her insightfulness and her meaningful contribution in our committee will be surely missed. 
May her soul rest in peace. Honourable members, in order to mitigate this against the spread of COVID-19, we call upon the department to make effective use of technology, such as audiovisual systems for parole board hearings and for remand detainees or remand cases. The audiovisual system for correctional supervision and parole boards helps in bringing services closer to communities and victims to participate in parole hearings. For the current financial year, the department has planned to increase victims' participation in restorative justice programs from 3,000 in the previous financial year to 3,500 in the current financial year 21-22. This pandemic has also presented challenges to our economy. Hence, we see the significant reduction in the budget of the department and other state entities. The Department of Correctional Services budget has been reduced by 11 billion over the medium term. In this regard, we urge the department to think creatively about self-sustainability and on ways they can contribute towards economic revival of our country. Honorable members, as the ANC, we are pleased to hear that the department will be piloting the business case mechanism for self-sustainability, revenue generation, and retention mechanisms in the current financial year. As the African National Congress, we encourage the department to prioritize funds towards rehabilitation and social integration of offenders. The department's rehabilitation programs includes, amongst others, literacy, basic occupational skills, vocational training, formal education, including grade 12 and tertiary education qualifications. This is in line with priority three, education, skills, and health of the medium-term strategic framework. We, like to, we would like to congratulate the department for achieving an 86.3% matric pass rate in the 2020 academic year which is an improvement from the previous year of 82.6% recorded in 2019. This shows that education can take place even in grim places, as long as there is a will, support and resources to succeed. One of the best performing schools in the Department of Correctional Services is Usitubeni Youth School at Durban Westville Correctional Center. The school attained a 100% matric pass rate for the past five years. As the ANC, we want to emphasize that investing in formal education rather than increased incarceration will benefit our economy and the country in general. The pandemic has presented us with an opportunity to give a serious thought on alternative punishment. The Freedom Charter states that imprisonment shall only be for serious crimes against people and shall aim to re-education, not vengeance. More appropriate community-based punishment should be available to the judiciary in order to limit incarceration to more serious crimes only. The Department of Correctional Services should capacitate and strengthen their community corrections branch in order to make it more inviting as an alternative sentence option for our judiciary. Honorable Chairperson, President Cyril Ramaphosa in his State of the Nation 
address focused on creating sustainable jobs amongst others. In its efforts to create employment for the youth in the country, the Department of Correctional Services was instructed by the minister to reprioritize the budget in order to absorb a group of 932 learners as from the 1st of June, 2021. The other group will be absorbed in a phased in approach as vacancies open up. As the ANC, we'd like to commend the minister for ensuring that the president's commitments are implemented. <clears throat> This bold move by the minister will ensure that all those learners who were trained at the state's expense are, are not idling on the street and end up becoming involved in criminal activities. Honorable members, the ANC would like to emphasize and commit its support for the work done by the Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services. Jigs, under the leadership of the inspecting judge, Justice Cameron, whose duties and functions is to inspect correctional centers and remand detention facilities in order to report on the treatment of inmates and on the condition of our facilities. And any corrupt or dishonored practice, dishonest practices in our facilities. We also support the repositioning of JIGS in terms of its independence and its statutory mandate. The Freedom Charter of the African National Congress in its preamble states clearly that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white, and that no government can justify claiming authority unless it is based on the will of the people. Therefore, this mandate given to the Department of Correctional Services is based on the will of the people of South Africa. Chairperson, let me take this opportunity to thank the Executive Authority of the Department of Correctional Services, in particular the Minister and Deputy Minister, the National Commissioner and his team for the leadership par excellence in carrying forward the mandate of the African National Congress of ensuring a better life for all and for ensuring that all people in South Africa are and feel safe. I must also thank all the foot soldiers in the department who are at the coal face of service delivery in ensuring that the work gets done without question. Chairperson, as the ANC, we support this budget of the Department of Correctional Services. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Velma. The next speaker is from the TA, the Honorable Sal. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairperson. Before addressing the state of the department, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say, the ex-spy in Poynton's building. Mr. Fraser was transferred from the State Security Agency to the Department of Correctional Services in April 2018. There are many serious allegations against Mr. Fraser relating to his tenure at the SSA including misappropriation of funds, establishing an illegal parallel intelligence agency and the improper award of tenders and contracts. Mr. Fraser has been the subject of several internal investigations, including by the Inspector General of Intelligence, and several witnesses have testified about these allegations at the Zondo Commission. The high-level review panel chaired by Sidney Mufamadi recommended that PAN be investigated, and this recommendation was made after Mr. Fraser's transfer to the DCS. We do not think that his transfer was appropriate for the same reason that Advocate Similani was found by the Constitutional Court 
not to be an appropriate NDPP. Thus, it is perplexing that the minister has not advised the president to suspend Mr. Fraser while the investigations recommended by the high-level panel occur. Minister, would you please elaborate why not? The minister should likewise commit himself to the independence of the Judicial Inspectorate of Correctional Services. As he knows, Sonki Gender Justice succeeded in an application to the Constitutional Court that checks should be independent of the DCS. Yet the Minister of Finance has objected to the JICS being a government entity which would give it this independence and allow it to operate without fear and favour. The Minister of Finance wants JICS to be absorbed into the Human Rights Commission. This would be a profound mistake. So, Minister, pin your colours to the mast. Stand up for the independence of the JICS. Now, the Department made a presentation to the committee the other day concerning the haphazard release on parole of some 14,000 offenders to relieve overcrowding in the light of the COVID pandemic. There were two notable features of this. First, 126 of the offenders that were paroled were readmitted for offenses ranging from murder, assault, assault GBH, housebreaking and robbery. This is always a risk and highlights the need for social reintegration branch to have the professional skills to determine which offenders can be safely released on parole. But secondly, the presentation acknowledged the need to move to community corrections and alternative sentences. The current incarceration rate is simply unsustainable and it will worsen with the current high rates of unemployment and poverty and the tightening of our budgets. But judicial officers are reluctant to hand down sentences of community service because they have little faith in the community corrections to monitor such people and to ensure that the terms of the sentence are adhered to. So judges and magistrates send more and more people to prison, which is actually the university of real crime, from which they invariably emerge to commit ever more serious offences. Thus, the approved social reintegration framework is to be welcomed. It talks about the promotion of alternative sentences and the provision of appropriate rehabilitation and reintegration programs that address reoffending. But most significantly, it commits to the professionalism of the social integration branch. This is exactly what is required to relieve prison overcrowding safely and responsibly by imposing appropriate community service sentences in place of imprisonment. But then two things must happen. First, the DCS budget must be realigned to reflect this. At the moment, the social reintegration branch is allocated only 6% of the budget and little change is to be seen over the medium term uh, expenditure framework. Um, if the branch is to be professionalized, it needs to have the resources to become so. Vehicles, premises, resources like electronic monitoring devices and skilled staff. It must no longer be the stepchild of the department. At the moment, the branch cannot supervise parolees and probationers remotely effectively. Secondly, we need to revisit our sentencing regime. We are encouraged by the minister's comments in July last year, in which he was quoted as saying that, quote, government was also carefully examining the criminal justice system in relation to incarceration for low, for low uh, risk crimes, so that it does not become the only option for such crimes. This is entirely correct. 
because it means that the prisons will be less overcrowded if non-violent, petty, first-time and young offenders in particular are given non-custodial sentences and less overcrowding means the ability to provide more useful correctional programs for serious offenders. But then the ministry needs to give careful consideration to alternative sentences that are sufficiently deterrent, easily administered, and accompanied by really effective rehabilitation programs. At the same time, we need to give greater discretion to judicial officers when it comes to sentencing. Only they can strike the right balance between the seriousness of a crime and the interests of society. Um, yet Parliament adds more and more ma mandatory minimum sentences, so much so that there are now some 16,800 lifers clogging up the system and constituting a major driver of overcrowding. We welcome the emphasis on self-sufficiency. We have always supported it. Our policy is one where prisons work where prisoners work. But talk is talk. And let's see the rollout in such a way that all the inmates in our prisons work an eight-hour day. Chairperson, we live in a very violent, crime-ridden society. The DCS must play a vital role in breaking the chain of offending and reoffending and making South Africa a safer place. It cannot be business as usual, as it has been for the last 17 years that I have participated in these debates. The department needs to reimagine its purpose and to do so rapidly. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Sir. Uh, the next speaker is uh, the Honorable Y.N. Yako from the EFF. Um, thank you so much, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, South Africa has a prison population of just over 164,000 inmates in the various correctional centers around the country. The Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services in its annual report in 2017 and 18, the financial year, indicated that there's a bed space across all 243 correctional centers countrywide was just less than 120,000. What this then means is that there are over 44,000 inmates with no beds of their own in these correctional centers and who then get stuffed in overcrowded spaces. Today in 2021, the situation has not improved, not one bit, despite the, the reported early release of some other in inmates in order to manage the corona pandemic last year. The point that we are trying to make and trying to drive here is that with the conditions of overcrowding and its attendant problems of criminal activity and abuse in prisons, there, can ne there cannot be any correctional behavior of any kind in prison. What rather happens is the hardening of criminal attitudes in these jails. We now know that many heists are planned in jail. Many murders are initiated from jail. We know for a fact that the imprisoning of gang members and gang leaders does not in any way stop gang activities because they are able to still control the gangs from jail with the help of the corrupt prison officials. Thousands of those languishing in these prison jails and in these jails are still remanded prisoners, and some have been in remand custody for more than three years without the finalization of their trials. The point, the points to a dip, this points to a deep dysfunctional criminal justice system, from the police to the prosecuting authority, to the magistrates, to the judges, and up to these correctional centers. You know all these issues, Minister, but yet you have not lifted a finger to address them.
Letting correctional centers operate outside the realm of the law and of acceptable human conduct allows for the corruption that goes on in these centers. And we believe the Bosasa embarrassment was just the tip of the iceberg. Many of your comrades are filthy rich because of the contracts they get from keeping these correctional centers in these despicable conditions. This you do because keeping these prisons overflowing with black people is of no concern to you and the government you, you represent. It is reported that it costs 390 rand a day to keep one prisoner in jail. This translates to about 11,700 rand per month to maintain just one inmate in jail. This is over 140,000 per year. But despite this, the Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services reported that many inmates do not even have prison uniform. Some sleep on the ground, that in other centers, the roof leaks when it's raining, that the food the inmates eat is of such poor quality that it threatens their health. But even more, keeping someone in jail costs more than just ensuring that all young people get access to good uh, education. While it costs more than 400 a day um, to keep one criminal in jail, it costs far less to ensure that a child in Kailicha has access to good quality education, to good quality food, to clothes and shelter. But this government chooses to ignore the education of the black child so that they can grow up and have no options but a crime that in, in but crime ridden life in their later lives. The ANC chooses to pay 400 a day for criminals in jail than to pay a fraction of that for the education and well-being of all children and youth in this country. This budget is a business as usual type of arrangement. It has no appreciation of the severity of the problems facing both the prison population and the communities from which they come from and to which they will be released to once their incarceration period is over. So we need to rethink the approach to correctional services in this country in which we place ourselves and we place focus uh, on the value of human life. So therefore the EFF rejects this budget. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. The Honorable C. Tim Simang from the IFP, the next speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair and Honorable Members. The IFP supports the mission and vision of the Department of Correctional Services in South Africa. That is, to continue a just, peaceful, and safer South Africa. We acknowledge the efforts by the department to rehabilitate offenders. The department in its 2019-2020 annual report indicates that it has a total of 15 formal schools and two private partnership facilities. We also note the improvements in the past rates of these schools with six schools registering 100% pass rate in 2019. The overall pass rates for all schools also improved from 68 to 80% between 2014 and 2019. Despite these developments, the efforts exerted by the Department on Rehabilitation are far from being comprehensive. South Africa, with an inmate population of 154,000 in the 2019-2020 financial year, cannot pursue an inclusive rehabilitation program with only 17 educational facilities. 
It is also the view of the IFP. Uh, it's also the view of the IFP that a medium-term expenditure of 2,175 billion rand on rehabilitation relative to 14,961 billion rand spent on incarceration proves less commitment to the former program by the department. The <coughs> Our concerns on this issue continue to fall on deaf ears. The department cites overcrowding as one of, uh, uh, as the source of most of its challenges. Statistics from report in 2020 found that with an inmate population of 154,437, Correctional centers were 32% overcrowded. However, the causes of overcrowding at correctional facilities are multiple, including an ineffective parole system and long trial periods. The IFU also notes with concern the excessive overcrowding percentages in Johannesburg, Medium A, Allendale, Queenstown, Uruguane, with overcrowding uh, rates above 100%. The IFP is of the view that addressing the challenges over, <coughs> of overcrowding needs a multi-pronged approach and improving our justice system from the time a person is arrested until they serve their sentence. This could alleviate part of the problem. Tackling economic challenges that sometimes lead people into crime is equally vital. The IFP is also concerned with corruption at different levels within the department. SAPS crime intelligence have in the past arrested government officials from the Department of Correctional Services. This is rather ironic, as the same officials that pledged their allegiance to promoting a just society uh, are the uh, and are the custodians of law and order have been found to be working against their mandate. Corruption is unacceptable. And we expect the Department of Correctional Services to lead by example. The IFP supports the reduction of the department's baseline by 11 billion rand. The cuts will result in the reduction of personnel, but mostly of non-essential staff and those who will be lost through natural attrition. The IFP supports the budget vote, and I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Musunang. Our FJ Milder is the next speaker.
Honorable members of parliament, National Commission of the Department of Correctional Services, Arthur Fraser, Inspecting Judge, Justice Edwin Cameron, members of the National Council for Correctional Services, members of the parole boards, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed an honor to address this august house on the occasion of the budget vote of the Department of Correctional Services. As we celebrate the 25th anniversary of our constitution, as a nation, we remain resolute in our overall objective to ensure people who leave our correctional facilities are rehabilitated, skilled, and ready to take up their places in society as productive, law-abiding citizens. Since the advent of our constitutional democracy, we have worked hard enacting and enabling legislation to create a conducive environment for a just and humane corrective system. As such, we have succeeded in transition from an oppressive system, prison system under apartheid to one that is in sync with international protocols and conventions on corrections and human rights. Allow me, therefore, to share with you facts and figures that serve as progressive indicators of the benefits that have accrued in our quest to correct the offending behavior of inmates. It was the first president of a liberated South Africa, Kosi Nelson Adalbo, once the world's most famous prisoner, who said, and I quote, it is said that no one truly knows a nation until one has been inside its streets. A nation should not be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but its lowest ones, close quote. In ensuring a, that a successful reintegration of offenders in society is reality, significant achievements have been recorded on parolees and probationers who did not violate their conditions of release from our center. The daily average state load of our community correction system for the year 2020-2021 was 52,556 parolees, 7,000. 468 probationers and 891 awaiting trial persons. This amounts to a caseload of 60,915, which in turn translates to an achievement of 99.13% for parolees without violations and 99.08% for probationers without violations. However, we must acknowledge that the COVID-19 pandemic has negatively affected the interface between the department and communities, especially through community outreach programs such as East in ISO. As a result, we could only manage 11 such in ISO in the 2020-2021 financial year. In the same financial year, a total of 11,833 victims, 3,791 offenders, parolees and probationers participated in restorative justice programs. This performance under COVID-19 restrictions was made possible through the 75 social auxiliary workers that were appointed by the department. Their major role was to assist in the tracing and preparation of victims for their participation in our restorative justice programs. As government were allied, to the importance of working with partners, stakeholders, and civil society broadly. We maintain that corrections is a societal matter 
and therefore welcome all initiatives aimed at enhancing the work of the department. We have facilitated 363 economic opportunities through partnerships with various stakeholders. For instance, through our working partnership with the Ecopoleni Mental Health Institute in Gauteng, we want to acknowledge receipt of a donation of business data packs under their economic development program. These data packs worth 1,000 rand each, donated to 18 parolees and professionals, are meant to assist them to start their own small business in the areas of car washes, spasa shops, and welding shops. This project forms part of our social reintegration program for parolees and professionals. Once we realize that our core mandate is to reintegrate offenders back to society, we are also placing, placing a strong emphasis on the participation of victims who have been affected by the crimes committed by these parolees and probationers. As such, we will continue to highlight the incorporation of identified victims as well, who are willing to participate in economic opportunities afforded to offenders to ensure that we also redress the plight of those affected, that is offenders of victims of crime. Chairperson, I cannot overemphasize the significance of these programs to underscore the importance of those at the receiving end of offending behavior, to find peace, solace, and a balance in their lives. The Department of Correctional Services has responded with agency to a number of periodic episodes that undermine the mission of corrections in this country. However, we must acknowledge that the security breaches and embarrassing episodes could have been avoided if there was strict adherence to operational procedures and heightened levels of supervision. It is in this vein that as a leadership, we have made it mandatory for every security breach or incident to be fully investigated and measures to be taken almost immediately in order to restore normalcy. Equally, we shall ensure that swift and decisive action is taken against those who may have broken the law and applicable regulations, be they inmates, officials, or any other person. The program of instilling a sense of patriotism in the department is gaining ground. It is centered on creating a culture of common good for public good. This noble objective revolves around correctional officials accepting an obligation to promote the welfare of the community and to work together for the greater benefit of all South Africans. The minister has already alluded to some of these in this address. We are at the tail end of a progress, of a process rather, to finalize the organizational structure of the department. This will help to strengthen, align, and capacitate our systems so as to optimize our efficiency and effectiveness as an organization. The net effect is to ensure that there is synergy in our planning versus operations. And this is key in terms of meeting our set targets. Furthermore, since the minister and I assumed office, we moved to strengthen leadership at the executive level by filling the following vacancies, four deputy directors general, two chief directors, as well as 11 directors. This is significant in ensuring the stability, certainty, and decisiveness in management of the department. Honorable members, since my arrival in the department, I have crisscrossed the country, visiting regions in order to gain a first-hand experience 
of the challenges facing the employees of the department who operate at the core base of our organization, that is, the correctional centers. Uppermost in our interventions as leadership is to create a conducive working environment for our employees to be able to discharge their duties unhindered and motivated. With progress in the ongoing discussions between organized labor and management, new uniforms have been procured for staff in our operational facilities. And talks are in the final stages in concluding an all-embracing solution to the thorny issue of shift patterns. One other area of concern and corrections is decaying infrastructure that poses a myriad challenges in our work. I want to reassure all that we are committed to addressing progressively these in this financial year. I must re-emphasize, Chairperson, this point. The Department of Correctional Services will continue to guard against those who lack respect and are unprofessional in their conduct. Such officials must be identified and appropriate interventions meted out. Discipline and professionalism are part of our organizational structure and cannot be lost due to deviant behavior by a few who misrepresent what we stand for as a collective. At this juncture, it is opportune that I indicate that we are not alone in our endeavors to safeguard the welfare of humans. The Judicial Inspectorate of Correctional Services is the mandatory statutory report that has oversight authority and recourse to Parliament and the Presidency on the treatment of inmates and on conditions in correctional centers. Led by Inspecting Judge Edwin Cameron, Jigs is targeting 136 inspections over the performance cycle, that is 2021-2022 financially. The work of Jigs helps us remain vigilant and to exercise our duties with purpose and conscientiously. Honorable members, through the district development model, we will be spoiled for choice in terms of increasing light identifying areas where offender labor can be used to touch the lives of our people. We have a number of correctional facilities across the country that have adopted community projects. Through these initiatives, we offer support to our citizenry through different programs, such as poverty alleviation, infrastructure development, and maintenance. I must say, we're proud of the work that is done by inmates for the benefit of the community. On the one hand, it inculcates in the offender the spirit of Ubuntu and raises morale. But on the other, it stimulates in the community a spirit of forgiveness, redress, and restoration. This sets the right tone for effective rehabilitation and consequently social reintegration. Through a series of sessions with heads of centers, led by the National Commissioner Arthur Fraser in the different regions. The message was one of reinforcing going back to basics. These sessions that took place nationally were to ensure consistency of application of the department services and procedures across all centers of the heads of centers and area commissions, as well as to capacitate them with the tools to enable uniform execution of their duties. Keeping correctional facilities clean, treating those incarcerated with dignity and respect, and allowing them a reasonable second chance within the confines of our correctional centers is a noble cause. Our objective is to turn the tide and have correctional centers that work for our people, thereby ensuring safer communities. The minister is directed the department to produce 
a self-sustenance and self-sufficient motor. This concept is premised on the huge potential development has in, leverage, in leveraging on the farms, properties, land, workshops, among others. The portfolio of assets under the auspices of operational services with innovation and business acumen can be used as a solid platform to, to position the department as a viable, self-reliant entity. We shall pursue this model and monitor progress closely so that this becomes operational and benefits all in the daily shape. Honorable Chairperson, despite setbacks, the Department of Correctional Services is on track. We are raising the bar because our people have high expectations. Those who do not deserve to be in our brown uniform are being dealt with and the rot shall be removed. Our strategic intent not to be clouded or negated by the advent of the coronavirus pandemic. Our strategic intent will not be clouded as we navigate through this difficult period. Ours is to work tirelessly and with conviction because our people deserve better. Our operational officials have demonstrated in word and in deed that they are equal to the task. My appreciation goes to the chairperson and members of the Justice and Correctional Services Portfolio Committee for the guidance and wise counsel that they always extend to us. I also wish to thank the Inspecting Judge Edwin Cameron for his zeal and candor in our engagements. A special word of gratitude goes to our dedicated and hands-on minister, Honorable Ronald Osi Lamola, as well as all TCS officials led by National Commissioner Appraiser. The dedication of the management and staff of this department to the task at hand is what keeps the fires burning at all our original facilities across our country. I thank you. Uh, from the ACDP, the next speaker is the Honorable Swart. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the Department will receive $25.2 billion this year, and the Cabinet has approved a budget reduction totaling $11 billion over the medium term, which will undoubtedly affect the Department's ability to offer corrections, rehabilitation, and wellness services. Staff numbers are set to decrease from 37,836 in the present year to 36,809 in the outer year of 2023-24. Now, the ACDP is concerned that as a result of these staff reductions, a high inmate to official ratio will make it extremely difficult to manage facilities and may and will give rise to violence, smuggling of contrabands, and unnatural deaths. We are also concerned about the safety of prison officials, which cannot be compromised, as well as prisoners themselves under such circumstances. Now, with the focus on curbing gender-based violence and indeed other crimes, the ACDP shares the concerns at the rate of recidivism among parolees. 126 parolees were rearrested on various offenses after 14,000 inmates were released earlier on parole during the special COVID-19 parole dispensation. This, I'm sure all members will agree, is deeply concerning. We have consistently raised concerns about the capacity of community corrections to monitor those entrusted to their care. Despite the projected reduction in staff numbers, the department needs to ensure that there are sufficient personnel 
at this unit to monitor the increased number of parolees. Now, given the budgetary constraints, allocated funds must be properly spent. The poor audit outcomes arising from a lack of proper accountability, high regular expenditure, and the inability to finalize cases and disciplinary processes remains, remains deeply worrying. The department must provide timeframes for supply chain management-related disciplinary cases, as well as measures introduced to prevent irregular expenditure. Chairperson, the ACDP supports the reposition of JICS in terms of its independence and its statutory mandate. And while discussions are taking place between the ministry, JICS, and other relevant stakeholders in this repositioning, the ACDP believes it is taking too long to finalize this issue. Possible models were already discussed in the previous fifth parliament, and we would like to see speedy resolution of this issue. Lastly, the ACDP would like to take this opportunity to thank the management staff at the department for their hard work and commitment under extremely difficult circumstances. Your hard work is much appreciated and does not go unnoticed. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Swartz. Uh, do you have a speaker from the UDM? ATM? From the ANC, Honorable X Nola. You're the next speaker. Honorable Chair, members of the executive, members of the house, the National Commissioner, Ata Fraser, Inspecting Judge, Justice Cameron, fellow compatriots and friends, good afternoon. This year marks 150 years since the birth of an extraordinary woman who became famous for being the mother of black freedom in South Africa. It is befitting that as public representatives, we reflect on her words wherein she said, this work is not for yourselves. Kill the spirit of self and do not live above your people, but live with them. In keeping with these words, I wish to pay a special tribute to someone who dedicated most of her adult life in service of the people. Someone who killed the spirit of self, who lived not above, but with her people. Comrade Giacomo Fugen, who served with us in the Portfolio Committee of Justice and Correctional Services. Once again, we pass our sincere condolences to her family, friends, and all who lives, whose lives were touched by her. Honorable Chair, the African National Congress attainment of political power in 1994 and the adoption of a new constitution brought about a paradigm shift in the function of prisons. The ANC government's efforts have been to convert the human, colonial, and apartheid prisons into correctional centers. South Africa's criminal justice system has undergone reforms aimed at reflecting the tenets of the constitution and undergoing the legacy of our oppressive past. It is well known that the apartheid just, justice system was a repressive tool in the hands of the state and that incarceration made little, if any, distinction between activists, criminals, children, and adults. The colonial apartheid prison system was meant to dehumanize and warehouse offenders. Since 1994, there have been moves to reform the criminal justice system away from the apartheid legacy. Guided by a constitutional demand for safe, secure, and human incarceration, prisons were demilitarized. The direction of these institutional changes has placed greater emphasis 
on human rights and included the more restorative vocabulary in policy documents. The mission of the Department of Correctional Services is to contribute to a just, peaceful, and safer South Africa through effective and human incarceration of inmates, rehabilitation, and social reintegration of offenders. These are done by enforcing sentences of the courts in a manner prescribed by the Act, detaining all inmates in safe custody whilst ensuring their human dignity, and promoting the social responsibility and human development of all sentenced offenders and persons subject to community or community corrections. In 2004, DCS adopted the White Paper on Corrections as a policy document which lays out the vision for the, for, for the department. The 2004 White Paper takes what is entrenched in the Constitution to a higher level in that it defines rehabilitation as the core business of the department. The Constitution, prov the Constitution provides the minimum standards of human detention but does not articulate the right to rehabilitation services for offenders and inmates in particular. Chapter three of the white paper details that corrections is a societal, societal responsibility and envisages that members of the public will support internal rehabilitation programs. The white paper places the family at the primary level and community institutions at the secondary level in which correction must take place. The TCS is placed at the tertiary level. The objectives of, of the rehabilitation process as summarized in the white paper are to focus on correcting of offending behavior, and yes, enhancing human development and promoting social responsibility and positive social values amongst offenders. Honorable Chair, to deal with its core business, the department adopted the needs-based approach to, to rehabilitation. Needs-based interventions are interventions which specifically target causal factors with the unique profile of the offender. The white paper therefore recommended that the department development an individualized correctional sentence plan that will take the correctional setting of the individual into account. The correctional service plan will be based on the needs of the individual. Section 38, subsection 2 of the Correctional Services Act stipulates that offender-specific assessment measures need to be developed to ensure the most effective utilization of rehabilitation programs to address individual offender behavior. Rehabilitation must therefore be aimed at the, at the individual with unique needs. Ineffective rehabilitation programs are largely responsible for recidivism. In many instances, offenders are rearrested, reconvicted, and re-imprisoned for the same crimes. It has been suggested that the cycle of recidivism is attributed to the failure of the rehabilitation program. One of the reasons for failures and rehabilitation programs is because a needs-based approach is not adequate, adequately followed for each inmate. Chaperson, one of the major challenges facing TCS is overcrowding. Overcrowding leads to gang activity, a decrease in correctional official supervision and control, a lower standard of living for all inmates and disciplinary violations among offenders. In addition to overcrowding, gangsterism and a shortage of specialist personnel and inadequate rehabilitation equipment, such as library facilities, are impediments to effective rehabilitation. From a rehabilitation and reintegration perspective, overcrowding has a severely negative impact as it continues to undermine, in almost every conceivable manner, the positive impact that programs could have. Overcrowding can have a significant negative impact on an offender's well-being and mental health because DCS is unable to provide the required 
rehabilitative support. When the weight of offender numbers overwhelms physical and human resources, correctional services delivery constrained in many respects. Overcrowding negatively affects officials too. The 2016 JIGS annual report found that overcrowding in combination with staff shortages, the primary source of stress amongst correctional officials. The 2019-2020 inmate population was recorded at 166,449 against the approved best space total of 120,567. In December 2029, President Ramaphosa announced the special remission, which led to the release of 14,647 low risk inmates into community corrections. Through this process, overcrowding was reduced to 28%, while the special remission of sentence assisted in elevating overcrowding. It is important to note that this was a short-term relief measure. The impact of this measure was the reduction in, in, in escapes, injuries, and unnatural deaths as a, compared to previous financial years. While this is the case, it is important that we have long-term sustainable solutions to challenge to the challenge of overcrowding to ensure effective rehabilitation. Honorable Chair, the triple, triple challenge of poverty, unemployment, and inequality is structural and a major contributing factor to crime. The COVID-19 pandemic has added to this. As you know, DCS is the last role player in the criminal justice system, as it is responsible for the incarceration of remand detainees and sentenced offenders. With the scout of crime, DCS is seized with that responsibility of housing offenders, which results in overcrowding, which hampers on meaningful rehabilitation. The lack of resources also contributes to the non-implementation of policies. The budget allocation of DCS is 25,218,100,000 for the financial year. The rehabilitation program is allocated an amount of 2,175,500 million. This translates to approximately 8.62% of the budget. Within the rehabilitation program, 1,151,000,000 million 349,000 is allocated for offender development sub-program. According to the economic classification, the larger portion of the budget across all programs goes to salaries and wages. While we are cognizant of the fiscal challenges faced by the country, it is concerning that the core business of DCS is allocated such a small percentage when compared to the entire budget of DCS. The budget allocation must be in line with the policies of the department. It is important that the department effectively use the resources which have been made available for rehabilitation and social reintegration. 2020 was a challenging year and many programs, particularly rehabilitation and social reintegration were negatively affected. We do appreciate the work of the department in carrying out its mandate and thank the officials who work tirelessly in the service of personal services and the nation at large. We welcome the commitment by the minister that the department will focus on the implementation of the self-sufficiency self framework this year. This will give offenders the skills to use even after they have served their time. As parliament, we will continue playing an oversight role over department to ensure that it performs well for the betterment of society. The African National Congress support uh, the budget vote. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable colleague. Uh, do we have a person from COPE? From the DA, Honorable W. Hall. Thank you, House Chair. 
This budget and the annual performance plan of the Department of Correctional Services do not inspire much confidence that a turnaround or even an improvement is on the cards for this department. Unfortunately, Minister, real rehabilitation and successful social reintegration of offenders in our country remain at best a dream deferred. Rehabilitation efforts in our correctional centers are and have been hamstrung for many years by overcrowding and the pervasive gang and violence culture in these centers, as has been pointed out by my colleague from the ANC, the Honorable Nola. The latter uh, violence and gangs, of course, being reinforced in a vicious cycle by overcrowding itself. Now, Chair, overcrowding as an issue, while not unique to South Africa, as the Minister is always quick to point out, remains a massive hurdle to the effective functioning of correctional centres. It has also now become clear, unfortunately, that this, that this government has more or less settled on addressing overcrowding by regularly re releasing scores of convicted offenders much earlier than indicated by their sentences. Minister, these special releases seriously undermine the criminal justice system a system you should protect and uphold. Rather focus on the available alternatives. The Honorable Self has already dealt with some of them, but there are more. Firstly, for once, make a success of your build program to add the necessary extra bed spaces. They're all, and one cannot stress this enough, all of the infrastructure projects of DCS have been, for many years and are still, characterized by massive overruns in respect of both costs and time. What is worse, there's never consequences for these failures, only excuses and promises to do better. Secondly, Chair, the minister must make transfer of convicted offenders who are citizens of other SADC countries a reality. Despite the fact that the number of convicted offenders housed in our facilities, who are citizens of other SADC countries, far outnumber the number of South Africans housed in the prisons of SADC countries, no real attempts have ever been made by this government over the years to transfer these prisoners to their home countries, all while the law allows for this to happen. Every time scores of convicted offenders benefit from early, early release on parole, Chair, we are assured, as others have pointed out, that one of the conditions for such relief is that offenders have taken part in rehabilitation programs. But, as they say, the devil is in the detail. What is not readily told is that in many instances, the so-called rehabilitation of offenders who are to be released early consists merely of handing out topical leaflets and hopefully having a quick chat with these offenders before they are released, warning them not to return to a life of crime. Of course, DCS and the minister will be quick to remind us that these parolees are not released unconditionally. They remain in the system and are to be monitored by community corrections the unit in the department responsible for social reintegration. Yet, depending on which level of risk adjusted lockdown regulations are in place, these officials are locked down themselves and able only to monitor parolees telephonically. Even when they're unable to embark on physical visits, their workload make it virtually impossible to work effectively and only those parolees who are deemed very high risk are in reality monitored by way of personal visits. However, Chair, the single biggest problem with DCS remains the unwillingness in the ranks of its leadership, senior management, to change its ways. DCS has been operating on the assumption, and all indications are that it intends to keep on operating on this assumption for as long as it's allowed to by the minister, 
that no real consequences will ever be imposed on senior management for the way it simply fails to adhere to the prescripts that are in place in our country to ensure good governance. Despite massive amounts of irregular and wasteful expenditure, we are told from one year to the next that consequence management will be implemented soon. Yet the Auditor General from one year to the next inform us that no sign of real consequence management is to be found. Chair, the unwillingness, or is it the inability on the part of DCS management and this minister to identify the proverbial dead horses at DCS are also a big concern. The development of the so-called integrated inmate management system is a case in point. A project which Treasury warned against years ago, which was nonetheless kept intact by the previous minister, a project that has stalled and has remained at the same conceptual stage of development it reached three years ago already. A project which we were made to believe after this minister took office was to be completed by the developers without another cent being paid to them, which of course did not happen. And yet, yes, you guessed it, colleagues, a project which, which seemingly now this year will be completed, of course, with yet another handsome amount of money being thrown at it. Minister, I see that images of boxes are being used these days in the circles you frequent to bring, about, bring across points. So let, let me conclude by saying this. DCS will not change its ways in its culture of poor performance for as long as you, your interventions resemble shadow boxing. Take off the kid gloves and show that you are in this fight to, to give some knockout punches against maladministration and corruption. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Ron. From the ANC, the Honorable Kubutile Chanchi. Nkosi Stalo, Masibule Nentuba from Wukongo. Chairperson, I must say that as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Constitution of the Republic, we must also at the same time assess how far we've come in fulfilling the mandate for a restorative justice system. This is an important milestone born out of struggles of our people. But as our 2006 January 8th statement stated, and I quote, we celebrate not because of any irrational attachment to anniversaries. We celebrate these historic moments to re-emphasize the continuity of our struggle and underline the founding principles of our movement. From the birth of this democracy, we set ourselves ambitious and yet necessary goals. Consistent with the founding values of our constitution, in particular, human dignity, the achievement of equality and the advancement of human rights and freedoms, we have chosen the path of corrective rehabilitation. We believed in it then, and we still believe in it today. As we shall demonstrate later, the progress on this noble goal is not without problems. The Honorable Minister, the Deputy Minister, Honorable Nivot, uh, Ngola, and others have already sh shared some of the strides that we have made. We are in a country where those who should be in jail 
are in jail. I come to Ambapa, Oyileye court, Watwamagaye Trongin, who's not in jail. So we are second. We have over 162,000 inmate population in this country as we speak. We have over 16,000 people who are serving life sentences, who are jailed for most serious crimes as the Freedom Charter inspired us. Compare that with the 400 that we had in 1994. Then you would know that we are working. As we reflect on this journey, we must be the first to admit that we are still imprisoned by the stubborn apartheid legacy problems. We are still stuck in a prison's legacy of vengeance. The corrections vision is struggling to emerge. The poor infrastructure conditions in, in these centers impact on the rehabilitation and correctional activities. Just to give you a few facts and examples, out of the 243 centers, only 15 can be said to be suitable for rehabilitation in terms of their designs. That's a big task. This constitutes 6.2%. Of course, this is further exacerbated by the overcrowding in all centers, as explained before. Upgrades have been undertaken since 1994, but still the majority of these centers remain unsuitable for effective rehabilitation program. You've got additional 48 others that are partially closer to that 15 out of that 243. Just to give you a picture of the amount of work that we've got to do. The facts and numbers point to an overburdened system. As indicated, from the 14,000 parolees parole that were released that are out there, we have this 126 that have re-offended. And the re-offense is on issues of murder and assault, which indicates to us that we do need to attend effectively on this issue of rehabilitation. So that anybody who's released, we, we, we are close to sure about the conduct and behavior of those. As part of even that 14,000, you've got over 2,000 parolees who are foreign nationals who have been released. Part of the challenge here is that Correctional centers in South Africa are seen as having the highest standard. As the country was still struggling to implement what the ANC instructed us to do, the transfer of prisoners, because none of them would want to go to any other jail than the jails in South Africa and the prison centers. So that also demonstrates the kind of work that we do. Just to take you on the care program and the state patients. For example, the World Health Organization says the ratio of an official to, to patients must be one is 245. If you just take the Eastern Cape in our case, the ratio is one to 9,000 
481. That's a, that's a big gap. It demonstrates to you a system that is overburdened. And so we can all agree that this state of affairs is a reflection of society, as the minister correctly pointed out. It is not just a Department of Correctional Services issue. In other words, there are no shortcuts in the work that we must do. We've got to fix the fundamental problems that we have inherited in this country, those triple challenges of unemployment, of poverty, and inequality. And that's a task for all of us as South Africans. Yes, there's hope for the future. We agree with the minister on his emphasis when he came in front of the committee that the issue must be implementation of our policies and programs that we have. Secondly, we agree with the minister and we want to urge the minister that we need collectively to escalate this self-sustainability program as a model. And we're looking forward to the Oatsworn uh, launch, Honorable Minister. We firmly agree with the repositioning of JIGS in terms of its role. But we also need to step up much more on our core mandate of rehabilitation. The future is coordinated. It therefore means that within the justice system, within the correctional services system, you, we have to make sure that your social integration, your community corrections feed into this rehabilitation program. We have to make sure that there is integration within, but also as we discussed colleagues in our committees, that this portfolio, this department must be able to work with others, whether it is SEPs, and, 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 and all other relevant stakeholders. Let me also chair, perhaps at this point, to assist the other members who have raised some few issues. Honorable Self, you have raised the issue of the National Commissioner. My only advice and comment on you on that is you need to start playing the ball and not the man on, on the Commissioner Fraser. And I must also make the point that it is far from truth to say that the minister has already taken a position and that he wants Jigs to be part of the South African human rights. Honorable Yako, we have discussed many of the issues that you've raised in the committees, whether it's overcrowding, I think to begin to come to this platform and accuse the minister of not lifting his finger on any of these issues, again, it's very far from the truth, but I can understand your situation, especially in the EFF, because as we meet every week on every meetings of the portfolio committees, you are not able between yourself and, and your other colleague to be there, that many of these issues have been attended to by our committees as part of our oversight role. And we have set in motion monitoring mechanisms about many of these kind of issues. It's, it's unfortunate that you would come here and reject 
this budget and this plan. Effectively, you are saying you are rejecting the solutions that have been put forward here. You are rejecting these achievements that have been demonstrated here. And I'm looking forward to you to go out to the society and the voters to tell them that you are rejecting what should be a solution to their problems. It is very clear, Honorable Chairperson, that the issues that have been put forward by the minister are country issues. These are matters that we should not even begin to politicize and play a partisan role. These are issues that are very critical to the sustainability. These issues are very critical to us marching forward in achieving the core mandate of this department. And as we always do, even in our committee meetings, we're going to urge all of you to be with us in driving this program. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Chanji. Uh, the Honorable Minister of Justice and Correctional Services will be the last speaker on our list. Uh, thank, thank you very much, uh, uh, House Chairperson. Um, I have heard the comments of um, uh, the honorable members, and um, we would like to thank them for all um, um, the comments. We hope that um, it will help us uh, going forward, as um, some of the comments are indeed uh, empowering. I want to start <clears throat> with the comment with regards to the issues related to self-sufficiency. And I agree with the honorable members that uh, we need to ensure that it becomes a success so that the department can be able to respond positively and ensure that uh, the offenders played their role, they are kept active, and they participate in the various activities of the, of the, of the department in terms of skills and also in terms of production. With regards to the issue raised by uh, honorable members, with regards to Mr. Fraser, the matter is in the hands of the president dealing with the, with the issue. And um, <clears throat> as you are aware, the issues relate to state security. Um, and they do not, um, as, uh, as we speak now, uh, reside with the, us. And the president is dealing with the matter. We are awaiting guidance in that regard. With regards to the JIGS matter, <clears throat> which uh, various honorable members have raised uh, in the House, we, 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 as the department, we have been very clear to, 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 to engage with the National Treasury and the Department of Public Service and Administration with regards to what will be the best location for JIGS as a component of the government for them to continue to play their independent role and oversight role to correctional services. And um, <clears throat> we are still continuing to, to do that so that they are in the process of being um, allowed to play that independent role and um, as a component that will be able to do so. Um, what you'll have seen from the National Treasury is a, is, is a, is a comment in the process. And um, it does not, um, uh, at this stage changed our view with regards to what should be the location of JICS, which we believe should remain independent and autonomous and should continue to function 
as um, as it is and uh, be allowed to to establish its own uh, component and uh, we hope at the end there will be fruitful engagements that will reach to that uh, uh, to an amicable solution in regard to that and we agree with the comments that um, um, uh, there should be alternative to incarceration. It's what we have said earlier on. And um, I think um, <clears throat> the judicial officers across the country uh, are beginning to respond to this call, some of them. And uh, we continue to bring the newly appointed magistrates to our centers in certain instances, those that, that are already practicing, so that they also understand the need for this alternative sentencing and also are able to see our infrastructure and what is happening inside our correctional facilities. And um, also, there the cannot be economic of scale and comparison between the basic education system and the investment that we're doing in higher education as a country. Looking at the budget of higher education, it's more higher than the budget of correctional service, including basic, they can't be comparison of scale. So they cannot be comparison with regards to the life the inmates are, are living inside and the life of um, our kids that government has invested so much. And that you will see it, it through the budget, through the resources and the <coughs> various um, inputs that uh, the government is putting. It is for that reason that ourselves with a limited budget, we need to ensure that uh, the inmates are rehabilitated because the majority of them, as I've said, will one day be released. So it is in the interest of the public that will play a rehabilitation role for them. And that we get, we understand the criticism coming from vulnerable members with regards to them, uh, the, lo the low budget with regard to rehabilitation and also community correction. Unfortunately, it's the environment we find ourselves in, but we continue to give support to these branches so that they can be able to play their role of um, rehabilitation and community corrections including the monitoring of uh, inmates who are on parole, which is a, is, a, is a huge responsibility bestowed on us, particularly now that um, we have also added a huge number of inmates in terms of the last uh, <coughs> remissions that we have done. And um, the remissions should not be seen as, um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as something that um, is untowards across the globe. It's a, it's a system that is being used as an instrument available to the state from time to time to ease the backlogs in their correctional facilities. Other countries, they even do it annually. And in our situation, there is an assessment that is done. And at the end, the state president decides whether they should be such given the conditions and the circumstances. And it has uh, up to now saved us uh, well to ease the congestion in our centers and in our facilities. And uh, we, we, we regret the 126 uh, incidents or re-offending by some of the parolees. These people give us a very bad name because we always say to the parolees when we release them to the public that they must be good ambassadors of the department. They must not bring shame. They must not bring uh, an, the department and the name of parolees into disrepute. Because as you Thanks can see, about 14,000 of them uh, still comply. Thank you, so thank, you. thank you, Chairperson. Thank you so much. Uh, honorable members, 
you are reminded that the debates on public service and administration, including the National School of Government and Public Service Commission budget votes, basic education budget vote, and national treasury budget vote will take place at 16 hours 30 on the virtual platform. That concludes the debate and the business of this virtual mini plenary session. The mini plenary will now rise. Thank you, Chair. Huh? Thank you.